This episode is brought to you by Harris Resort SoCal. Nestled against a rolling hillside and just down the road from Palomar Mountain, guests at Harris Resort SoCal can expect gorgeous views, friendly staff, available night and day to encourage everyone to have a great time. When I was there recently, I had a chance to dine at California's first and the nation's largest house kitchen. And it's true, the beef wellington and sticky toffee dessert are great. The restaurant is inspired by the hit TV show and features a menu approved by the Michelin star celebrity chef, Gordon Ramsay himself. Hope to see you all at Harris Resort SoCal in 2024. My name is Rachel Witten. I'm 17 years old and I'm from Cypress, California. Some of you guys may know me from the previous seasons, NBC's The Voice. And I'm super excited to be here and be podcasting with um, Chu Kenneth. Welcome to the Vietnamese. I'm your host, Kenneth Nguyen. Being part of a culture of nearly 100 million Vietnamese people in the world today comes with a lot of pain, proud history, and privilege. Join me as I highlight and explore the Vietnamese experience from all of Thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on. Um, Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. What are some of the earliest memories of you and music? Mm, I have a lot, actually. Um, I, well, I started singing at the age of two. I don't know that, but I think the earliest age I remember singing was at the age of five and six. And during elementary school, that's when I kind of grew my love for music because my school, um, they provided choruses, they provided band. And so I decided to choose chorus and I was able to be selected and um, put into the school district's ensemble. And from there, that's like, one of the first things I remembered um, singing. And that was actually one of the biggest um, stages I've been on when I was younger. So we performed at Disneyland, we performed at Knott's Berry Farm, and it was just a cool experience. And I think that really helped me with singing today. Wow, and so at that point in your life, what really kind of clicked in your mind to say, this is something I I feel like I'm really good at and how do you know and what what validated sort of your talent? I think being an ensemble, it takes a lot of work. I think even for elementary, being in elementary, for a kid to like go up and sing at Disneyland and stuff, it takes a lot of practice and something that kind of validated for me, it made it like validate for me was, you know how like we all, there's all these solos in a song, right? And kids are competing for it. And I think when I got chosen for a couple solos, that really kind of highlighted the spark for music in me. And so, yeah, it just made me want to work harder and kind of, it made me want to pursue singing. And also at home, I mean, we've always done karaoke, you know, Vietnamese parties, they like, like to do some Heineken beers. And then after that, you yeah. do karaoke's. And so they would always ask me, I'd be playing with the cousins, but they would actually like ask me and bring me up to go perform a song on the karaoke uh, machine. And so I feel like that's what kind of, it kind of gave me a sign, you know, it was like destined to be. And, and at that point you didn't ever go like, oh my God, this again, like my parents, I'm just, my family's making oh, no. Never. I did. I did. I was just like, here we go again. Like I'm in the middle of playing like Barbie dollhouse yeah. and they're like, go sing like a Vietnamese song. And I'm like, you know, but it was super fun. I mean, looking back at it now, it was just like, it made me really fall in love with singing and it made me who I am today. You know, you, you know, I've gotten to know your dad quite well over text and communication with him recently. And, you know, hanging out with them at the event that we were all at um, how much of, 
his influence and your mom's influence and support did you need to kind of pursue what you do in singing? I feel like there's a lot of support from my dad and mom. My mom's not very much of a singer, so she's always supporting me on the side, kind of going to my shows. But my dad, my dad's side, actually, they are very musically talented. So I feel like that was passed down to me. And my dad always sung here and there, but he just never got the opportunity to like kind of show it off to the whole world. And so I think he passed it down to me as well as my grandma passing it down to me. Um, and he's always there with me 24 seven when I need to go singing. When I was at The Voice, he took his job up there into the hotel. And so he worked there kind of for like a good three months. So obviously that's like a change, you know, but because he was so invested in singing as well. And he kind of wanted to live that day-to-day -day life with me and experience just because he didn't get to do that. And so his support, there was a lot of support, but I also wanted to pursue it myself because even though you can have this immense amount of support, I feel like if it doesn't come from the heart and you don't want to do it, then it's just not going to work out. But luckily I did have that determination and I wanted to work for it. And I was glad that I had that support system with me just to be there, like my dad and mom. And it was just great overall. Yeah. I can imagine if your parents are pushing back, they can't, you know, not only are they getting in the way, but they're really kind of making you emotionally not really able to do it. Right. And I think a lot of Vietnamese parents are, you know, of maybe of the older generation are not very supportive, but it, Sounds like your dad and and his mother were, you know, were big integral part of your your development as a singer. I mean, at some points and like like you said, like the older generation, like the older Vietnamese generation, sometimes they'll like kind of, you know how they push it down your throat sometimes, right? And like it kind of makes you lose that um kind of it kind of makes you lose that work ethic for you to want to continue. But luckily my grandma wasn't so much like that. My mom, my dad, he's actually, so he's very supportive. He's always supportive, whatever we want to do. Like for example, my brother, he's not very mu musically talented, but he wanted to pursue volleyball. And so my dad's super supportive of that. I think he's just very, you know, supportive overall. And he just wants us to do what we love to do. And it it shows. Yeah. Shout out to your dad, Terry. And I think a lot of, I don't know, it's my guess. He came, uh, you know, he was born in, he was born in Vietnam and he came, a, a, you know, a little bit later. He was like 10 years old or 12 yeah. or something like that. Right. And I think growing up in Vietnam, when you don't have that opportunity and you see sort of like a wave that you're a way that your children can, can get this opportunity, you're going to like go all in and, and back them up. Yeah, so yeah. shout out to your dad, Terry. You know. Terry. <laughs> <laughs> He's such a cool dad, really cool dad. And besides music uh, in school, what other subjects uh, have you been interested up until this point with your, with your studies? Or is it has it all been music? Mm, school's not for me. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But um, I think I was very into like the school ensemble and choirs. But in high school, I didn't really do it because lately I've been going around singing and so I think I wanted to put my main focus on school at school when I'm at school and then singing when I'm not at school but I think other besides than singing I'm really into sports like I did track and field I did high jump long jump I did volleyball for a year um my dad always emphasizes on balance and so 
there's a time for singing. There's a time for working out, being outdoors, being athletic, and there's just everything overall. And so he really got me and my brothers into working out and staying fit, but also kind of doing our own hobbies and doing what we love. And so, yeah. And do you guys have, or do you have um, a coach, a, a vocal coach? And do you work with that? And you, you nodded your head, but like at what age did that begin? And how did you know that you needed um, more support in developing your uh, vocal ability? Hmm. Um, like I said, when my dad is super supportive and he sees something in us, he kind of wants us, he kind of wants to put us in the right direction. And so I asked to actually um, enroll in music lessons, such as piano and vocal. And so at the age of seven, he put me into a music class in Garden Grove, actually, and very close. His name is Wu um, Guangchum, and I've been working with him at the age of seven till now, and I'm 17. So it's been 10 years, which is crazy to think about. But mm. um, yeah, I've been working with him. He's been helping me with piano, with my vocal tech technicality. And yeah. whenever yeah. I want to go sing, like for the Thet shows that we did, he helped me um, alongside produce the music kind of and just like produce the arrangement just so that when I'm on stage, I'm super confident because when I get on stage, I get super nervous. Even till this day, I still get nervous. But once I'm in my zone, it's very natural to me. Yeah. I I don't know anybody who's ever said when they go up on stage as a singer or comedian or whatever, that, they, that they're not nervous. It, it yeah. sounds like everybody has like these big butterflies inside of them. And some people puke right before they go on stage. I get my grandma and my dad stressed out right before I go on stage because I start like telling them to I forgot the lyrics. I don't know how to introduce myself. But I feel like when I'm on there, it's just me and the stage and audience. And I kind of want to I just want to like show it off. And so I think yeah. my confidence comes back. My like confidence comes back. And so, yeah, I think it's just like the pre pre like stage nerves. But and, yeah. and what happens if you do forget any of it? How do you get through it? Have you ever forgotten? I when I was younger, I wasn't it wasn't as easy for me to pull it off, but now when I mess up, it's people don't really notice because I can kind of wing it, but when I get nervous on stage and I mess up, it kind of shows, but now that I've learned, I kind of create like kind of sneak in my own lyrics to make it make sense or like when I mess up, I laugh it off. And I think it just shows the audience that we do mess up, but it's okay. And like people enjoy that when you can recover from it, I think. And so that's what I've been doing. And that's how it helps me. Yeah. That, yeah. that makes a lot of sense. I mean, that's, that's the mark of a true professional. I, I mean, I messed up during the that show and nobody noticed. So <laughs> no. And I think the audio went out a few times and you just like kept going. You didn't even stop. Yeah. I feel like in that moment, there's really nothing you can do besides kind of rally up the audience just to like get that support and just for them to join with you just because, you know, you can't do anything about it, but you can't stop the show and the show must go on. And so, yeah, yeah, that's a that's a professional talk right there just to keep that train moving and, and make sure that the audience get that energy and their energy comes back to you. Right. Exactly. This episode is brought to you by Red Boat Fish Sauce. I love cooking with Red Boat because it's made with only two ingredients, wild-caught anchovies and sea salt. This premium fish sauce is made in Phu Quoc, Vietnam and bottled right here in California. You can find Red Boat at select Asian supermarkets like 99 Ranch, H Mart, and Tong Phak. Now, do you 
ever play piano and perform sing at the same time um recently i haven't but when i was younger i don't know if you guys um if you know the show but it's called v star and they had a v star kids and that was the first time in my life that i performed on a stage playing the piano and um singing at the time when i was younger i didn't i wasn't so much panicky about it and because i was a kid i didn't really think much about it but grow, growing up i kind of wanted to be very perfect and like be on stage and be very calm um what is it kind of like confident on stage yeah. and so playing piano as of now with singing wasn't really an option but i think i do want to get back into it until when i get these nails off but yeah <laughs> i do want to get back into it but it's a strange animal to play and to sing at the same time isn't it yes. it's tough like playing the piano and singing like those two are way different from each other. Like when you're singing, there's a different tempo when you're playing piano. And so it gets like, I get in my head a lot. And so when I do it, I'm just like, let's just not have me do it at all. But I'm gonna start. Um, you got me thinking about doing it again. So yeah, I, and I think um, because I play and I sing and it took me years and years oh. and years to be able to, to do it at the same time. But I have tempo issues, you know, oh, I, I can't keep <laughs> While I'm singing, I'm just, I'm just off tempo in general. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess, you know, if you're just playing piano and you're just singing, you can kind of like move at your own emotions. Your fingers can kind of like feel what is, you know, happening in your mind about singing. So, but when you're playing with like drummers who are trying to keep time and follow you, it's that's, I think that's when the tricky part happens. No, oh, yeah. And like playing piano, when you hear that wrong note, everybody knows it's not just me that knows it's everybody that knows and so i'm just like i can't recover from that i just gotta keep going yeah 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 but and, and yeah and you're trying to keep the pitch of your own uh, voice in line with everything and then now you have to worry about like not hammering on the wrong piano note yeah but it's a challenge but like you got me thinking about doing it and i think i have to do it again so we'll okay. see well here's the here is the challenge of going into the next question based on being able to play piano and sing. So you have what it takes to write and express your own thoughts through music. Do you ever write your own music or are you ever going to move into that space? So lately I've been working because my dad's side of the family is very musical, uh, musically talented. Um, I have an uncle that produces on the down low and he kind of creates little beats here and there. And I've been working with him just to start kind of doing my own because I feel like you can only perform covers for so long. Exactly. And um, nowadays it's a lot of people releasing their own music and getting that recognition. And so I did want to start doing that. It's just with me, writing comes, writing doesn't come to me easily. Like in my writing, I'll be like, he don't like you, like get out my face, you know? And so you can't write that in a song, but mm -hmm. um, yeah, I've been working with my uncle and my, um, I, my lyrics have been getting better and I do want to produce and release music soon after these coming months, just because I have a few shows coming up. But once I have that space and time, I think I really want to take on that challenge and grind it out. Yeah. Because I, I think that's, that's the next step, right? Because otherwise you're just going to be a cover artist for the rest of your life. And I mean, that. let's face it, this is what the Vietnamese music in America needs is this, the originality to, to hear 
the sort of the inside of the mind of the singer um, as they are thinking and creating about the pain and the 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 the, the life that they're living, how uh, beautiful or difficult or whatever you know it it is. We want to see what's sort of on the inside of of somebody's soul, right? So I think that writing and musically putting that into kind of you know w- putting words to music is is a very important thing for for an artist. Yeah, I feel like nowadays a lot of artists have been acknowledged and recognized just because of their experiences that they've gone through. And for me, I've gone through like weird, sad, fun, happy experiences. Mm-hmm. And I think I just, all I need to do is just put that into words and like minimize the words and put it into a song. And hopefully it does end up well. And I'm obviously going to keep going if one song doesn't, you know, get the recognition it I wanted it to have. But yeah, I think producing and releasing music is one of my next projects. What yeah. what kind of music do you listen to a lot? I think I was very influenced by my dad with his music taste. Um, I really love listening to R&B music, R&B hip hop. But I also love listening to every genre. Like when I'm feeling sad, we have sad music. We have folk music. When I'm feeling happy, we got hip hop. We got jazz. We got everything. And so but I think my main um, focus is with R&B hip hop. So, yeah. And is that a path that you could see visually in your mind following? Like, is that the the lane that you want to stay in? Um, That's definitely the lane I want to stay in just because I feel like a lot of people knew me from The Voice um, and they um, knew that I was kind of more of an R&B hip hop, but... I did sing a country song on there, which was out of my, it was, it was an experience. So I think it did show that I can kind of pop into different genres, but I feel like sticking to one for now is the best option for me. And if it goes well in the future, maybe I can collaborate with other artists or make different types of music. But I think doing R&B is very different compared to Vietnamese music, but I like to add like add different melodic Vietnamese melodies into R&B hip hop. And people think it thinks it's strange, but it's very, I think, creative to do. And so I think I can kind of, cause R&B is very exotic to Vietnamese people. So when I do that into Vietnamese songs, mm-hmm. people either take it, they think it's very creative and interesting, or they're just like, no. You know, but so far I've been getting good comments and support from it. And so I think I'm going to do that. Okay. So when you're blending sounds, can you explain what you're, what you mean by there are elements of the Vietnamese sound that you put into R&B and vice versa? Can you tell me about like technically what happens? I mean, I know that's a very, it sounds like a tough question, but I don't understand it. And I want to know what that, what that actually means. If you can explain that. I think I explained that really bad earlier, but I think um, R&B music, they have this very nice melodic kind of soulful taste. It's like, you know, ad-libs, right? And riffs, like the, oh, they don't, it's very strange when you do it in a Vietnamese song, but when I, and when I perform Vietnamese songs at like vet festivals or um, shows, it's very different. I think that makes me stand out. And so I think I want to keep doing that 
as well as um, implementing, you know, kind of the Kue Hung sounds from like um, Vietnamese songs. I can also do that with my voice. And I like adding that in R&B hip hop. So I like blending both of them in. And I think that's what makes me kind of different and stand out. And so I think that's the best route I want to do and take in. No, I can appreciate that. I totally understand what that means when you say. Was it better? Was it better? No, I mean, I, I, I think you were in the beginning just for the sake of a conversation, just kind of like putting it out there. And then mm -hmm. I wanted to hear exactly what you mean by that. But that's what I imagined, because um, when we think about like traditional Vietnamese music or just Paris by Night music, they're not yeah. throwing in those ad libs. Right. And yeah. it's fair game because that's the way it is. But music and words, all of that, all of those things evolve. And mm -hmm. I think having the blending of a Vietnamese, um, you know, that folk side, putting into yeah. R&B or R&B, you know, getting a dose of the Vietnamese. Yeah. Uh, I think it's fair game. I think it's it's time that we, right? It's time that we allow that sort of evolution to happen. Because from, I think we have a lot of Vietnamese pop music, but it just doesn't have that kind of riffy element that yeah. I wished it had. And so if I got the chance to record a Vietnamese song, I think there would be a lot of, it would be different. And so, yeah, I hope... That I hope that's actually a project in the making. And so, well, you know, do you know that the artist Tui? Yes, yes. Big R&B singer, Vietnamese R&B singer, uh, but she's a straight R&B, right? It's just straight yeah. R&B, not like she's not blending elements or any sounds from you know the Vietnamese culture or anything, is she? She is. I think she's not doing that in music, but I think when it comes to like speaking upon it or like talking about it and representing us she does a lot of like Vietnamese representation but I think she's mainly focused on R&B and that's what caught my attention I was I think I was one of her first like a thousand followers because she like had some she had a grip on me when her wow. music was released and so I think she was one of my many inspirations mm -hmm. to releasing kind of like a blend of Vietnamese R&B hip-hop and yeah hopefully I get to meet her one day yeah she, she uh... Yeah, she's a great person. She's um, she's playing oh, Coachella. Yeah, yeah. I'm I know. I've seen. So. That was like the first time I've seen a Vietnamese artist getting to perform at Coachella or an Asian American artist at Coachella. Like, that was such crazy. a big step. That's huge. Are you going to go this year? I wish. I haven't gone to Coachella once in my life, but I'm probably planning on not to just because my parents, they're like always first things first is always safety. And sometimes it get, it can get a little rowdy there. And so I usually watch on like YouTube live or like little yeah. clips on TikTok, but I don't think I might be going this year. Well, I think your dad should bring you, he, he and you should go. Let him know. Yeah. I'll let him know. I think, I think it's beneficial to see Twee live at, in Coachella this year, because that ability to see somebody do it on stage you know, as an artist, it's very inspiring and it allows you to kind of understand that, wait a minute, there's a pathway to all of this yeah. if we could see it. Yeah, because she was once like me, I think. Yeah. And she drew her way up there and it just went so well for her and she's super inspiring. And I think that's one of the things that I want to do and kind of accomplish in the future. But I feel like being at concerts too, in general, when I, whenever I see an artist perform live, it just like motivates me. Just, I'm telling myself one day I'm going to be there selling out stadium. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Just to see it gives yeah. you this way. You're like, wait, I could actually do that. You know, 
yeah, I think if you give him a, my dad a couple beers and you'd let him know and order the tickets on the spot, I think we're set. Yeah, we got to get him. We got to get him to to get you to Coachella to see Tui yeah. this year in April. Yeah, it's amazing that. But your dad's open minded. You know, he's super open, yeah. and I think he should go just so he could see what the possibilities are. Right? Yes. He he doesn't like going to like concerts, but I think he likes it when it's a a smaller venue, like kind of when we're going to watch like Tori Kelly or Bruno Mars. He likes those little intimate venues because it's such a big crowd with a lot of people sometimes. And I think he gets overwhelmed. He gets scared. And so but you just got to let him know. I've got to let him know. He, he's got to prepare <laughs> himself to be, you know, taking you to these. Yeah. Yeah. To the <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. He's got to get like really get prepared to like understand like this is hopefully your future, right? To, to put you on the stage like that. Thanks. We got to get him used to it starting now. So how do you know if you are or anybody is good enough? Like, when do you know the product that you are putting out there is good? Are you at that mindset where you're like, God, I could hear this and it is good. I know it's good. I think it starts off with, as like I said, within yourself. Because if you see you have a potential in something that you want to do, no one's going to stop you unless you let them. And so I feel like you just got to work in silence and kind of work and grind until you feel like you've done enough. But I feel like getting recognition from the audience or from your fans is just a bonus because no matter what you do, as long as you feel like you're doing it for yourself and you're benefiting yourself, then that's all that matters. And I feel like having fans after is the bonus and is the prize so i feel like it's kind of half and half getting the fans to listen to what you listen to your music or seeing what you're doing and they're reaching out to you and they're following you and having that belief and faith in yourself but also i think doing it in silence is the best way to confirm that you're actually doing it and you're doing it well and i feel like for me i think this year and last year, I've been working on myself with singing very silently. I haven't, I moved to a new school and I didn't tell anybody that I sung. And so, cause for me, I felt very timid and scared to tell people when I sing that I sing. Cause sometimes being in high school, high school, high schoolers are very judgmental, like judgmental. And for example, if I said I sung, they're going to be like, you're one of those singers in chorus, you know? And so I don't want to, I didn't want that to, uh, to affect me. And so, or put me down. And so I just kept it to myself. I worked on it and people didn't know I was on the voice till after it aired. And I was like, so now I think that was one of the peaks in my life where I felt like I made it and I got to keep going and I got to keep showing up and people, and I have fans that want to listen. And so I need to provide and release, you know? So wait, so they know you as some regular student and then all of a sudden this show comes out and then now they're like, what is the reaction? They were like, they've never seen the side of me. They were like, why didn't you ever tell me? And I was like, you guys just needed to wait. Like, I feel like if I were to tell people that I was on The Voice before The Voice aired, they'd look at me as if I'm crazy. Yeah. And so I think not only did it kind of benefit me in a way of where it wasn't, bad feedback from the school but it made them kind of realize that I wasn't just this average girl that just likes to go like 
to like go to school and like hang out with friends, but I have more to myself and that it's very important to me to keep that. And I can't let anybody take it away from me because if you tell other people your plans, then people will try to kind of yeah. get in the way. And yeah. so. And this, and this thing about like working in solitude is such, <clears throat> it's such a big thing that I've just learned a few weeks ago. There's actually a quote out there talking about it, but I can't remember the quote in my mind verbatim, but it's the idea is the only way to grow as an artist or in your work is spending time alone. Because yeah. if you don't spend time alone to work on your thing, you're not going to be able to kind of like grow and kind of develop this sense of like progress if you don't do it by yourself. So you have to go out and write by yourself. You have to go out and practice singing by yourself. You have to do these things to develop your own self. And it goes back to loving the thing that you're doing so much that no matter who's yeah. pushing you or not pushing you, you're going to do it. And I you're think that's yourself at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, I think for me, it really showed and I kind of reflected now that I'm growing up and I'm about to be 18. I feel like that's when you have a lot of reflection of your life. I realized that when I was a junior, my main goals were not straight. Like I was trying to go out, party, hang out with friends, do sports. I really put singing to the side because I was just like, people are going to think I'm weird. But I think in, when senior year came along, I did independent studies. And so I was by myself at home and I just had this realization, like I've been seeing my whole life and just for people to judge about it. And if people are going to judge about it and ruin it for me, then that's not who I am. And so doing that independent studies, it made me really fall back in track and start working on myself. And I invested in like piano and stuff and a yeah. piano a mixer and being alone. It just made me more like it made me want to work harder and it made me want to pursue music truly. Cause last year, I don't know, I was a wreck last year, <laughs> but can, yeah. can you tell me how now I want to get into the voice and the whole process of, of auditioning, the selection process, what went on during the show? Can you talk about that? So when I signed up for it, I didn't think much of it because it was my junior year. And I was just like, I'm gonna just sign up and see what happens. But I did not know there was this long list of things that you have to do to get in order to even be at the hotel you were staying at to audition. What are those and, things? What are the what's the long list of things? So when I applied, I did have to do like a few resumes, like five, six resumes first, like, like interviewing online. And then we would have, we would have to send in at least six to like 10 videos of songs that we're singing. And so it's like kind of the pre audition for the audition. And so they would at least 30,000 people on my season auditioned and it, they would cut down every time. So we would do like an online recording and they would narrow it down to 50,000, let's say 20,000, 20,000, then like up to a hundred, you know, and we'd have these um, meetings like day in, day out sometimes. And I would have to have my parent at the time. And so my dad would kind of have to take his time off work because I was a minor um, to kind of sit and read through these um, meetings because we would have meetings for like, um, what is it? Con information like legal stuff and like confidentiality and what we need to do to get here what they expect from us and we had multiple meetings for a, a good like two three months wow 
So luckily during the summer, I was able to go up to the hotel where they were doing it. And so a hundred people came up out of 30,000 and luckily I was one of them and I got to experience that. So that was crazy first. Um, when we were there, they were still cutting people and we had no idea because there's a set of rules that you have to follow. And I feel like you have to be, as an artist, you have to be kind of professional when you're in a building like that. You can't just act all like immature and stuff because they they have people watching you and so if one wrong move for example um confident confidentiality was important right and so one person showed up to the hotel and posted and tagged all these singers at the voice I'm like oh my god like that was just like nothing that was so far from confidentiality and he I think they got sent home the next day. And so they took this very seriously and they had all eyes on everybody. And so I just wanted to do my part and kind of be able to get on that stage. But we had, it was very, but we, during that time, like a one month span, we got to dress rehearsal, vocal lessons with professional vocal teachers. I got to work with, um, his name is Peter and he, I think he vocal coached for Michael. This episode is brought to you by Somkai Distillery, my only go-to gin company. Established in 2018, Somkai Distillery is Vietnam's first gin distillery founded by Daniel Nguyen, a Vietnamese American from Southern California. No matter how many people I have at my parties, we are always pouring Somkai gin. Somkai gin is handcrafted in small batches and prioritizes using botanicals and ingredients that are native and heirloom to Vietnam. The result is a product uniquely Vietnamese in taste and aroma. Somkai is now growing to include rice wine and traditional Vietnamese herbal liqueurs similar to Amaro. Somkai prides itself in Vietnam from the farmers who grow the fruits and herbs to the artists behind the artwork and design. Somkai is a community effort of people who are proud to be Vietnamese and collectively embody the spirit of Vietnam. Jackson. And so that was like a crazy one-on-one vocal experience. And I was super blessed to have that. Um, and we had like a lot of interviews and photo shoots, but I feel like with that, it also comes with people watching you and seeing how you perform in that. And I feel like if you kind of don't stand out, then you will also get sent home. And so I was just, I always reminded myself to be myself and show the who I am. And luckily I was able to get an audition date that day and, just that whole experience, that was a lot, huh? But yeah, that, 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 but I have a lot of questions <laughs> for what you just said. <laughs> what did Peter, what did Peter teach you? I mean, how many sessions did you get with Peter? I think for each round, we got two to three lessons with them. And on the day of, we would see one of the vocal coaches there. So I think about four for each round, right? But he taught me. I was, he could tell when I got up there, I was very anxious and very kind of, cause being on that stage, just it's the whole world watching you and it's being televised. And so I feel like he knew from the start that he was just reminding me to be very calming, to breathe as well. But he said it in a way where it actually calmed me down because wow. a lot of people, when they tell me it, it's just like, they say it, but inside I feel very, like, I feel very kind of nervous and pressured still but with him he had his way of teaching me how to breathe through those like actions and so not only did he teach me to be um, a very good um, vocalist but he also taught me to be really well rounded and calm because 
as an artist, you have to be calm, you know? And so. Well, I was expecting something like visualization when you hit high notes. There's none oh. of that. It's like, no, it's like how to be calm. That's like the first thing that, that comes out of you. It's like, he taught me how to be calm. He knew how to reach out to me because I feel like when I'm not calm, I'm not confident with my vocal mm -hmm. range and when I'm hitting a high note. But as long as you know how to breathe, he said it in this Greek word that sounded so Zen. I was so weirded out. Mm -hmm. But then he was like, he was teaching me. It. And when I got on that stage, I hit that note better than I've ever done before. And it was just very, it just showed that he was good at what he was doing yeah. and he knew what he was doing. But he had to be an old guy, right? I mean, he taught Michael Jackson. Yes. I think he was in like, his, I don't want to shade him, but I think he was in like his 40s, 50s, I think. Oh, no, he had to be older than that. Because if, yeah. if he's if he if he was the vocal coach for Michael Jackson, he was probably a lot older than that. Because your dad and I are in our 40s, you know, mm -hmm. so he's he's got. Yeah. If Michael Jackson, if I was giving Michael Jackson lessons, I would have been in my 20s and I wouldn't have. There's no way. Right. So probably much older. He because you said he he gave Michael Jackson lessons, right? Yeah, I think he did. I, I recall him and as well as other vocal coaches, but he was one of them that worked with Michael Jackson. Yeah. Now, what about other, uh, we'll get back to the voice, but what about other um, other shows? What about other con contests, uh, singing contests and variety shows? Are you going to be like American Idol? I and mean, what's the difference for you to do the voice or American Idol and all these other shows? I think... AGT, right? America's Got Talent. Yeah. yeah. There's like so I, think, I was sorry. I was watching um when I was when I was younger, I was watching, I was always watching X Factor, American Idol, AGT, and The Voice. But I think the voice very really stood out to me because it mainly focuses on the voice, your voice and your talents that you've been given with because it's not really focused on kind of like a sob story. They do have kind of sad stories here and there and like talking about other people's experience but at the end of the day it's mainly about your voice and the gift that you have and I feel like me picking the voice I could have picked American Idol or AGT but it does focus on like a lot of other varieties not just your mute like the voice so I chose wisely to um, audition on that and I don't think I'll be planning to like do American Idol or AGT just because I feel like my peak was already at the voice. And so I kind of don't want to venture off and see what I can do, what I can do better, but I feel like I've done what I can. And so it gave me kind of this leap to keep going. Cause I feel like I'd be starting over if I went on American Idol, you know, and I just, oh. I wouldn't want to do that, you know? So I think the voice was the best option for me. And it gave me opportunities like this podcast and other shows that are coming up. And so I think I just got to keep working on it, releasing on all social media platforms and see what happens, you know? So, yeah, that's a great answer because I don't know the difference. I mean, I, most of us are not thinking AGT, you know, Idol, you know, we're not thinking about the ramifications of the, the outcomes of each of these shows and what they mean. But the voice sounds like that's some serious business, right? That's some serious singer business. Yeah, because I wouldn't want to be on AGT and I'm going up against like a karate act. And so I was like, let me just save me the stress and like go up against somebody that's going to sing with me, you know? <laughs> that's so true. I never thought about it. But American Idol is, 
um it's it's a, a singing uh, yeah. right yeah but oh, it has other things it does have other things but what from my point of view I think when I seen American Idol it was a lot of the backstory kind of and I've had friends and um I've met artists that were on the voice that have done American Idol and they said it was an experience but it was kind of but the voice was a much better experience for them. Like they were provided with the care that they needed as a, as a singer what, um, rather than um, being on American Idol. And they kind of felt stressed a lot. And they were telling me how they would stay up to like 6 a.m. and they wouldn't leave till um, back to their hotel at 11 p.m. Like my friend Kaylee Shamizu on The Voice, she did The Voice and she didn't get aired. And so I just didn't want to risk being doing that whole journey for nothing. And so I've thought that very thoroughly and I ended up being on the voice and yeah. Wait, you said a friend of yours went on the voice and she didn't get aired or another. Oh, no. My friend Kaylee, she did get aired on the voice. Um, she's a Hawaiian singer on the voice, but she went on American Idol before this uh, previous years, but she wasn't aired and she went, I think she went pretty far in the rounds, but she didn't get aired. And so I just didn't want that experience to kind of bring me down. And I didn't want to have that burden on my dad as well, because he would have to be traveling with me. And for him to have to work, travel, and me not getting aired, I just feel like it wasn't worth it. Yeah. And so I just didn't want that to happen. Yeah, it's very strategic of you to think about. How have you gotten, how have you changed from the minute you went into The Voice till after the voice how like how do you think that you've progressed or changed as a person as a singer as an artist I think my mindset about singing completely changed not only did I feel like I performed better and I started learning my true vocals but I felt like I began to perform as how I should be performing because before I feel like I stepped on a stage, I performed and I got off, but, and I wanted to get off. But now that being on the voice, I wanted to stay on that stage and I wanted to perform. And I felt that I sung much better. I have better control of my voice, my identity. I kind of reflected on it. I know more about my identity as a singer and I wanted to pursue that. And also kind of like, with interviews, I was never good at interviews or I've never had an interview right after I sung just because I've sung little places here and there. And I suck at interviews. So I think being able to get the repetition of interviews at The Voice, it helped me become who I am after as a singer, because as a singer, not only you're supposed to sing, but you're supposed to communicate with the audience and fans. And so I think it really helps me become a better version of myself as a singer. You're doing fantastic. I am, you know, somebody <laughs> so young and, you know, your answers are very enlightening, enlightening to me. And they're there. It's coming from a person who's lived through a bit of sort of this hardship of going through whatever you did at The Voice. And it's yeah. and it comes through. And so I just want to let you know, I just want to commend you for, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think you have anything to worry about when it comes to, you know, doing these podcasts especially mm -hmm. these podcasts. And now we get to know who you are as a person and we're getting to see sort of with the long form conversations, we get to see how you're thinking. And I hope three years from now, five years from now, we get you back on and we talk about your career and we're like, Oh, remember when you're like kind of, you know, in the beginning years when you started and, you know, you were like worried about your interviews and here you are yeah. now, you know? 
like I could see a difference for myself before there was like flashing lights and cameras and lightings on me and I'd start sweating and you can see me and I would just like can you guys repeat the question over and over again I'd ask them that but I feel like now it's more about when I reflect on myself it's more about giving your true honest answer and not worrying not trying to give an answer that people expect you to give you know and so that's what I've learned and hopefully yeah. that's it. But thank you so much. Yeah, it's uh <laughs> you yeah, I think we were talking at the event and you're like a little bit uh you're like, yeah, no, 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 I I I I'm I'm cool, I can do this. But you're like, you know, your father was, you know, uh, encouraging you to to kind of like, you know, step out of your shell. And I'm like, I I think you're gonna be fine, right? Yeah. <laughs> ah, that's funny. Oh my <laughs> now, um when it comes to sort of like the music and the song selection you know what do you kind of look for in a song to go i connect with that and what what makes you uh connect to a song what what do you have to find in it uh the lyrics or the melody or the beats what makes you choose a song mm. Mm, i think for me let's say i'm gonna give an example first you know are you do you like bruno mars yeah i do Every time he sings, he speaks to me, even though it it doesn't have to be live. It's like recorded in audio, like even on the radio station, like somehow his voice speaks to me in every single song, his raspiness. I think he has all these varieties in his song with, with tech, vocal technicality, but it kind of connects to a person. And so I think he and Tori Kelly as well. Do you know who Tori? Yeah, yeah I sure do. I think those artists in general really spoke to me and kind of inspired my singing journey. And when I look for a song, I think it's a lot about the words because like some like kind of these some of these days like artists would release a song and you just like look back at the lyric and you're just so confused. And so I think I look when I look at a song I look for how it speaks to me, how it speaks to me, because I think if it speaks to me, I can speak to the audience. And I usually mainly go for like these soulful hip hop songs. And I think, like I said, one example is that I performed All I Ask by Adele, but Bruno Mars performed it in a version where he added these elements that it just like made you kind of tingle and it made you kind of like melt. And so I do, I look for songs that make people melt and kind of get into the feelings of the song. And I think I, as long as I add my own twist to the song and make it my own and make it true to myself, then that's what I kind of look for. And that's what I do. And when you cover a song, how many times do you have to like sing it over and over yeah. again until you find that way to flavor it and put your own spin on it? I think... It's not the amount of times I, I think it is actually, <laughs> I think when at first when practice, they sing the song, you're not going to get it right. You're not going to yeah. get the feeling you want. So I think throughout, I, for example, I practice, when I practice a song, it takes me a good week to sing. So Monday, for example, it's not the best and it does make me want to give up sometimes, but like throughout the week, I start having more ideas and like creativeness in the song and for me, I feel like singing, when you sing an artist, it kind of, you have these ideas of what you want to do and you implement it in a song. And for me, that's what I kind of do. And after some time of practicing the song, I feel like at the end of the day, like at the end of the day or at the end of the week, that's when I kind of perfect it 
just um, make it true to myself and true to my identity. So. Yeah. And I, I imagine one day when you start writing your own music, it's going to do the same, that that process is the same, right? You start off. There's going to be a lot of demos yeah. and I'm just gonna like say next, next, next until I, I found, I find the one that speaks to me the most for the first song that I'm working with. I'm like feeling it, but at the same time, I'm, it's not true to me, you know? And so I kind of do want to scrap that and, make my uncle make a few more beats until I like it, you know? Yeah. And I think that's the process of like us, when we create art, we have to like that Monday you throw down what they call like a vomit draft and you just vomit it mm -hmm. out, out of your brain and you just put it on paper and then you work through it. And it takes sometimes weeks or months, but mm -hmm. sometimes it just goes so quick instantaneously that it just falls into place. And I think you just have to be open to the muses, right. In the universe to kind of come and do their job. I think when I, yeah, when I, like you said, when I feel that connection very easily, then I'm on board hundred percent and I'll keep the grind going until yeah. I get the final product. But I think for me, because I am a beginner kind of um, songwriter, then it's going to take me some time to get used to and start producing much faster. So. Yeah. I'm sure you probably follow Taylor Swift's career. Uh, very closely as as everybody i think should in the music business you know because she's done some crazy numbers right and you know when you think about the the amount of songwriting and the amount of time and dedication that she's put in since she was like what eight or something like that some crazy you know what are, are you paying attention to artists like taylor swift or beyonce or any of these the greats Literally, when am I not paying attention to them? Like, I always stalk them 24-7. Yeah. Um, with Taylor Swift, I think with her, the one thing that I really am inspired by is her songwriting. Something about it is so intricate and it makes, it's like she's talking about like a bird, but it's it's talking about yourself, you know? And so something about that, it really inspires me to kind of, I think reading is important. And it, reading, it helps you a long way to write your own music. And so I think it makes me want to read more just so that I can start writing because compared to her writing, when I'm writing, it's so far off. Like my writing is kind of like ghetto. It's like, leave him out or like, I'm gonna leave him, you know, like leave me. But hers is like, she's writing it in a story. Like she's writing as if it's a story. And that's kind of what I want to do because a song, when it tells a story, it just speaks to me. And even though I don't like listening to her music a lot, sometimes I do read, read her lyrics and it just like makes so much sense to me. And so that's what I want to do. You know, a lot of authors that write long books, they, in the early years, these authors in the early, when they're in their formative years, what they would do is they would take a big, like a work, a book, and they would write the words by hand of the the writers that they loved and admired mm -hmm. so i can imagine if you took a taylor swift song printed it out and write what is being sung by taylor swift those things sort of like creep into our subconscious yeah. and we could see what the cadence and the breakdown of her song structures are but i imagine if you did that for a year or two and just like the big writers do you know american writers that that i know and follow they did that, you know, with the books that they, you know, because once you get sort of in this cadence and this rhythm of what the the singers or the songwriters that we were in love with, 
we can adapt their style through osmosis, through the the, the act of they would let them penetrate our brains, um, our artistry through the act of like writing it by hand. I think lately for me, when I have a sort of emotion or I'm going through something, I just like to write my feelings out. And I just like to write it with no, no bars, no beats, just straight out my feelings. And I can pick those feelings mm -hmm. out and kind of put it in a song. And I think that's what I've been doing recently, just because I can't get myself to read a book. But yeah. um, that's what I've been doing. And I think that's been helping me kind of branch out and be better as a songwriter. I think that's how they do it. I think yeah. that's the magic is well, I'm doing it right. I think I'm doing it. You're totally doing it right. I think comedians do that. They, you know, when you listen to comedians on podcasts, you know, they spend the first hour of their morning, two hours of the morning writing the, the, the big comedians, right? They spend two hours then they write in journals. And then what they do is they go back later and they mine for the best parts of it. And then they whittle it down then they create like an act around it or a bit around it. And it sounds like that's what you're doing. Uh, I, I I didn't even know I did that. Sometimes I don't even realize that I'm writing my feelings out. And then I'll be like, I could have used this and put it in a song, you know? But yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope that this conversation um, is, is creating this sort of path in the universe for you to, to yeah. Cause I would love to hear um, the Vietnamese singer, write their own lyrics, perform it. And cause you, you do piano, you know, music theory, you know what, you know, these bars and beats should sound like in your mind and you know how to execute it. And I think the next step is really to kind of like pull that out of your, your artistic mind and let it, let it rip. Yeah. I think I just right now, because the exposure that I've gotten after the voice I've been getting these a lot of opportunities, which I'm really grateful for. I think after that though, I'm going to, have, I'm going to put some time in to kind of create, maybe hopefully create an EP or yeah. something like that and release it on platforms and just show who I am because a girl can get tired of covers, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the next path to growing, right? Mm -hmm. Now, speaking of growth, do you ever think about going to Vietnam to perform or to grow as an artist in Vietnam? Because there's a hundred million people there that I could know. certainly use uh r&b and flavor because you, i've heard you sing in vietnamese it's like flawless so i'm wondering mm -hmm. if that's something that crosses your mind mm, so my family and me actually went over the new year's 2023 to vietnam and we seen i seen a performance for new year's and it had like a mic acid like phương lee um it had only see or something but i seen them perform and it's the exact same thing as in america like you're performing on a big stage you have all these fans but vietnamese fans are crazy you know so they crave for music when it releases um i'm willing to take any opportunity um because i'm able to kind of blend and i'm kind of i'm yeah. able to do both industry like american and vietnamese and so I'm my dad and me were talking about it and I was so down to go to Vietnam even though I get nauseous on a plane like a 17-hour flight you'll catch me throwing up at least four times but I think going back to Vietnam would be such a great opportunity if I got to perform there and stuff so yeah I definitely consider it and I'm definitely like considering blending in that American pop music into Vietnamese music which is happening now I hope one day 
that you'll lead the charge or any <laughs> Vietnamese singer leads the charge to hear Vietnamese language on Kiss FM the way we're hearing K-pop. Wouldn't that, oh, wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. You, hear, yeah, you hear Korean on K-pop all the time and you hear Spanish on, on uh, Kiss FM all the time on these mainstream. Yeah. You know, I would love to hear you carry that you know, out into the world of mainstream one day with your original lyrics and both English and Vietnamese. Because, you know, guys like Mark Anthony, Jennifer Lopez, they throw their Spanish, Spanglish in there all the time, right? How we, got we got Vietlish. We got Vietlish. I can do that. <laughs> you know, that would that'd be such a cool thing. And then so you you go back to Vietnam and you see sort of like these performances and, you know, the big stage. Mm. How would you get into that market? I think with that market, I've talked to my producer about this. It, it, it takes a lot of work, but it's much more kind of easier than the American industry because the American issue, you don't know what happens. But with the Vietnamese industry, I feel like it's there's an easier way to do it, but it does take a lot of work. It just for me, I think you would just have to find the right people to work with with Vietnamese music and for I think right now at the moment working with Tai Chung because he he works with a lot of famous um well-known celebrity Vietnamese singers such as Bang Kiu, Chan Tu Ha or like you know oh Mi Tam, Mi Ling and he works with them and I've got to meet them before and I've gotten the opportunity and so I feel like I have the right exposure and the right people to work with in order to do that and so I think it's just me being able to learn <laughs> like learn to speak Vietnamese a lot better, but I, I can sing, but not as well as speaking. But I think just me being able to perform in Vietnam and having the right people to help me and guide me. That's yeah. I feel like that's what I need. Yeah. You're, you're living in a, in a wonderful day and age because, you know, both being blessed as an American with Vietnamese parents who are both, you know, they're very Vietnamese and American at the same time that can really propel you to, to work in all of these worlds. You know, it's like having that opportunity of a hundred million eyeballs in Vietnam and then having this big 325 million people in the United States. It's a huge opportunity to be in both these worlds. Yes. I think in the beginning I was leaning towards more the American industry, but I, my dad did speak to me and it really touched me actually when I went back to Vietnam, because it was like the exact same thing that artists do in America, but you get to do it in Vietnam. And so being able to try, I think one of the things I also want to do is travel around the world and perform. And so being able to perform in Vietnam and kind of represent who I am as an American, Vietnamese American, that would be such a great opportunity to, opportunity to do as well. And so I was definitely considering now that I am considering both, I do want to do that. And I think I've been able to so far, just not in Vietnam, but I'll be performing in March and April with a few very well-known Vietnamese artists. And so I hope you they can watch me as well. Yeah, I think you're, yeah, I think I'll be catching some of your, I've been invited to, I think, one of your events and uh, seeing, seeing you perform again. It's it's awesome to to know that, now you're in this ecosystem in the, in the Vietnamese American world and pursuing, you know, the mainstream path and the, the doors are wide open for both of you, both of those directions for you. It's awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. So one last question um, is now that you've gone through all of these things, 
and you've mentioned that it's changed you and it's changed the way you see things. But are things clear for you? The game plan sort of like moving ahead, is it clear as a result of going through the scrutiny and the process of like going through this uh, voice, the voice? And, and I ask that because I'm imagining how professional that sort of journey had been for you. And what does it inform for your future life? Like how has that inform the rest of your journey in the next uh, few years okay mm, that was a that was a long question but I think I got it um so I think like I said before I I noticed two different people of like like identities in me but before um going to class going to music class and vocal class and going to perform on stages it was I felt as if it was a work for me. It was a chore for me. And I've all, I always wanted to get out of class as fast as possible. Like if he went OT five minutes, I'd be like telling him like, Hey, class is over, you know? And so I felt like it was very dreadful for me in the beginning, but after the voice, I noticed myself asking to put more classes in the week for me for me to show up and record like right now for example I have shows coming up right and I only have class once a week so I've been asking if they can schedule me more classes during the week if I can when is my next show where am I performing like who am I going to meet I think that whole experience really changed my mindset and it not just made me feel like I needed to work harder but it made me want to work harder and I don't feel so as if it's a hassle or a job for me to do anymore, I feel like I want to pursue it. And so, and with school, I did, in the beginning, I was thinking of just putting singing to the side and not having to worry about it as much and going to dental school. But now my whole mindset and my whole plan has changed. Like I'm set 100% on trying to make it work in the music industry and making a name for myself. And but also having behind me and like kind of having doing school on the side, but making music as a priority and not as much as making dentistry a priority for me. And so that's the things that I've seen in myself and the things that have changed. And I've noticed it. And I think I'm proud of it because I know myself and I know sometimes I tend to like want to drop things so fast, but with music, I feel like the voice after the voice, it made me want to work. It made me want to pursue and it makes me want to kind of achieve this goal of mine. Very eloquent answer. I am so grateful uh, that you are open to sharing all of these intricate details of like the process and what you go through. And I look forward to the next few years of your career and finding and tracking all the details to, you know, it, it's a, it's a moment of pride for us. You know, my, my family was watching the voice when you were on it and you know, everybody, yeah, everybody was like, when are you going to have Rachel on? And I was like, in time, you know, <laughs> as you, as I exist in this world, you know, I get to run into your, you know, your father and then run into, eventually I get around to, to people and I'm I, full circle, right? Yeah. It comes full circle. It, we no longer need to. And that's another thing. We no longer need to chase these sort of opportunities we just do our thing and we do we do right by our art and we just keep doing it and then i think that I, i'm a firm believer now of the universe putting the right people into our lives into our you know journeys when it needs to come up and 
I've just been blown away by um, that sort of belief and intuition in sort of just doing the work and enjoying what we do and just being inspired by the people that come across at the universe and not chase people who are too far, you know, removed it in, in time, yeah. these people come into our lives. That's what I've noticed. Yeah. I think if you don't want it to work, then the universe will make it not work. You yeah. know, it won't let you, it won't provide you something you don't want, right. but when you change the mindset and you, when you change your ways and you work for something and you want it, I feel like in time people will come the right, like you said, the right people will come, the right opportunities will come and I'll, yeah. Yeah. It's so, it's so true. Like today, I was like, I was not expecting to get like an interview or a podcast right after that show I did. And so I think that was one of the things that I was like, this is a sign. Like I need to keep going. Yeah. You definitely need to go. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. You need to like keep going out to the far future. Yeah. Yeah. Cause when our, when we, you know, my girlfriend saw you on the voice, she like immediately turned. She's like, when, when is this going to happen? You know? And I'm like, Yes, I, you know, it will happen. Um, it's not something that we need to chase, but we just need to keep doing our work. Like there's, you know, 10 interviews I got to get through in the next, you know, month. Oh. And, you know, that, mm -hmm. and once you do that, you know, these other interviews, they just come up and pop up. And I think as a singer, an artist or anything that we do, we cannot think about other anything other than the work at hand. And that's sort of like my driven, uh, that, that's what drives me every day is like getting that work done. I love that mindset. I'm about to carry. That's my new model. That's my new motto. Oh my God, Rachel. Thank you so much again, once again, for coming on. And, you know, I'm sure I'll be seeing you at some of these concerts and best of luck. And I hope to, you know, have you on again very soon when uh, the, uh, like an EP drops, we could talk about that process. Thank you so much for having me too, Kenneth. I really appreciate it. And this is not the first and last podcast we'll have. So just awesome. to let you know. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to The Vietnamese with Kenneth Nguyen. Special thanks to Brittany Tran, to Jane Nguyen, Catherine Nguyen, Tina Pham, Sydney Jamie, and Christo Trin. Please find us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at The Vietnamese Podcast.